Happy post-electoral vote certification, everybody. This is Christopher Messina and James Langer coming at you live from the Messy Time Studios. Uh, we were hiding for a while in a bunker underneath the Capitol, but we're <laughs> out now. So, uh, with, with uh, the, the dust settling over Washington and a, a second sunset coming after the festive events of the nation's capital, um, what do you think? Well, what's your general impression? Uh, it was certainly an absolutely historic day. I think it's a day that people will be reading about for, you know, the next several hundred years. It will go down in the history books. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see how it was portrayed. You know, you and I spoke about this before we started recording. You know, there's a couple of very interesting things about this. Is it's it, this is being portrayed as this massive insurrection of government, and you can certainly make that argument. But if you really take it at face value of exactly what happened, you had a group of crazy individuals that broke into the Capitol building and then started taking selfies. And... Uh, <laughs> How very American. Right, right, exactly. It was a, a very American, but, you know, if uh, students of history study, you know, implications and in, in, in what the definition of a coup d'etat is, this certainly was not that. This was a disruption of uh, the electoral college certification. Um, and it was extraordinarily horrifying to watch. It was absolutely horrifying to watch. And, um, you know, I certainly hope that there are uh, implications for the in individuals that were involved in breaking and entering and stealing and, you know, inciting violence and trying to disrupt a, a normal electoral um, process. Uh, but, you know, the nice thing is, and this is the wonderful thing about America, the problem was cleaned up in about five hours. The vote went on and it was certified last night and um, business as usual. Stock market was, was up today. Um, but it was still a momentous day. What, what were you thinking watching it? I mean, it was something you'll never forget. Yeah, I mean, I was really bummed because my popcorn machine broke halfway through. Um, <laughs> But I was watching it and, you know, having uh, lived in a lot of foreign countries and actually been in a few during times of very serious political turmoil, I, my take was, I think, a little bit different in that um, I actually thought that the events we witnessed were kind of the logical apotheosis of why you and I started this show in the first place. Our contention that um, Profit motive driven by social media companies whose algorithms right. steer people right. to divergent material. Right. So that when, you know, even well, we've covered this, even when two people are sitting next to each other right. and both type in a search bar for, you know, you know, what caused the French Revolution, depending right. upon your prior search histories, you're yes. already gonna get fed different exactly. interpretations. So people exactly. are being um, for want of a common core, if you will, if you got, went to a university that said something insane like everybody, no matter what their specialization is, should read these 50 common books. So at least you have a common set of things to talk about. That is no longer true in much of America. And so what we saw was, um, what I saw anyway, the, the outcome which I found so disturbing is I, had, I if we were hoping this event was going to be the one that brought greater comedy and understanding and, and unification, as I think Joe Biden genuinely wishes would happen. 
Not because he's an idealist, but because I think he likes to float through life in a cloud. So when he was calling for unification, I think that's very genuine and honest. Um, but the problem that is still going on is in the aftermath. Right. The commentary from everyone, the usual suspects on the left and right, however you choose to bucket them, has not changed one iota. Right. The 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 instant knee jerk, and I got to tell you right now, from where I'm sitting. The weird, one-minute, self-pitying, conspiracy theory-laden video recording that Donald Trump did in the Rose Garden oh my gosh. was insanity. Yes. So I have, in, in general, despite the man's abhorrent rhetoric and his ridiculous tweeting, overlooked a lot of that for his excellent policy instincts. But at this point, I think Pence and the cabinet should invoke the 25th Amendment and get him out of there. He's a nutcase. Um, which, you know, frankly, that's what our Democrat colleagues have been saying for four years, and maybe they were right. Right. Um, But what has not changed is the same blaming and finger-pointing. And what I think we can agree on is there is perfectly equal 50%, 50-50 bipartisan blame for this, right? I can hold in my mind these two concepts at the same time. One, Donald Trump is a lunatic and a conspiracy theorist and a maniac that wants to hold it to power, and nine Democrat-controlled states illegally changed the balloting procedures midway through an election process. Right. I don't have to only believe one of those. Right. I can believe both. And right. the fact that senators and congressmen felt strongly enough about the irregularities in this, I'm hearing the folks on the left poo-pooing this constantly. It was it was a perfect election. It was totally undisputed. And I know Chris Krebs, not well, but I know Chris, and he's a, he's a really great guy and a guy of great integrity, and I believe him when he tells me that from a cybersecurity standpoint, this election was secure. I've got no reason to doubt his word. Uh, but at the same time, given the weirdnesses of our electoral system and the fact that ballots are printed on paper you and I can buy at Office Depot. Right. There's, it's not like they're printed on dollar bills, a special paper, so you can tell if they're fraudulent. So the fact that millions of ballots were mailed out unrequested, nine states at least changed their balloting rules. The problem with that is not that it, it proves fraud either way, but it introduces rational uncertainty into a process, and that is deeply corrosive. And the left's inability to admit that that is true is just as dangerous as Trump standing up and screaming it was stolen from us with no evidence. What do you think of that? Right. No, no, no I agree with you. And I think you, one thing that's very unusual right now in the country, and this comes from a statistical and a mathematical perspective, is that you, you literally have the country divided into halves, 50% on one side and 50% on the other side. I mean, it's almost perfectly divided. If you look at how the elections came out in Georgia and the states that were close, um, if you kind of take um, California and, uh, and New York and the, the major cities out of it, you know, the, actually you have to include those, but the, the statistical probability of having the division being so precise is is a little bit strange to me. And I'm not sure how that's occurring, if, if it is because social media it, it is driving people to one side or another. I mean, the, the group of independents is ex- extraordinarily small right now. I mean, how many people went into this election and was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm gonna vote for Biden or Trump. I'm kind of on the fence on this one. Yeah, you know, I, I waffled. I stood there for quite a while with that pencil hovering over the dot. 
<laughs> right. But don't you think that's just from a from a pure statistical standpoint, having 50% on one side and 50% on the other side, I can't think of another country. Well, that's, that, but that's because other countries mainly have parliamentary systems. Exactly. Right? If we had a parliamentary system, we'd probably have 19 parties like they do in Israel. Right, right, right. right. And Which maybe might be a know, better system in some ways. It might ways. be a better system in some um, ways. Because what you've got here is people choose to throw their weight in to one camp or the other because they know that in some ways it's quote unquote throwing your vote away um, to vote, you know, vote your conscience, if you will, and you can't vote for a pure belief in your candidate. So that's, right. that's I think we get that 50-50 tug. Um, that's a correct. lot of it, you know, what I, what I really hope for is, as I was watching this, I was really thinking of all the, all the people that I, I trust, many family members, friends, people I respect greatly, uh, who have very different differing opinions, uh, and and what I really would hope happens, and it still is not happening. And, I, and as it's funny as I was saying to my wife, just a few days before the electoral pro- thing, I said, "This is going to get worse before it gets better." Right? We have not yet had the cataclysmic event that's so awful that everyone goes and shakes their head free of this madness and like resets to start believing the neighbors are okay and not evil assholes. Right. Right. Um, And we're still not there. This was not that event. And I I hope we don't have to go through that event, whatever it might turn out to be. Right. To get there. But, um, you know, there are the the thing that that has been most disturbing and where I see a lot of folks who are more traditionally minded, more religious, family oriented, Mm -hmm. um, you know, back in arguably the era of Stonewall, the 50s and 60s and 70s, when, for example, there were anti-gay laws in many states. Right. Um, at that point, um, gays were fighting for literally equal rights, right? I don't right. want to be arrested for kissing a man in public. Right. Right. Um, and that, so all of those gains have been made. One, I, I have argued, and I will argue this happily with anyone who wants to have it. If your entire mindset is, I'm an underdog fighting a fight and I'm a revolutionary, you don't turn that off when you achieve your goals. So when you get to equality, Right now, all of a sudden, like like we've laughed about this before, right? But if you take someone living like in North Korea in a gulag, or living in Iran or right. the mullahs, or living in Venezuela, they would trade their lives yes. for a lifetime of microaggressions in a middle class living all fucking day long, right? Yeah. So absolutely. we've gone from I'm fighting for equal rights to I think two people in my office look at me funny, and that's a microaggression, and they should be fired. That's insane. And so you've got this reaction back and forth of normal Americans, for example, last summer, were baffled to hear from leading sports figures that they're actual horrible racists who suffer from privilege all day long instead of right. hardworking people trying to do the right thing. Right, exactly, exactly. And I saw, you know, yesterday, friends of mine on, on both sides of the political spectrum just spewing absolute hatred out towards one another and, and blaming people for the absolute um, destruction of the cores of democracy that we have in the United States. And I sent a message out and I was like, Here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to go into your comfortable beds. You're going to order Seamless and you're going to turn on Netflix and watch season or watch episode seven of the Queen's Gamut. You know, (laughs) basically 99% of the humans that live on this planet would trade you for your position. Oh, yeah. Stop complaining. You know, your, your life 
our, our lives in, in America and the, and the beauty of the democracy that we have, you know, once again, and we've talked about this, it, it, and, and there are certain exceptions, but for the, for the mainstream American, your life isn't going to change very much, really, um, for the average American. Um, you know, there's going to be some tax policies, there's going to be some things associated with health care, there's going to be things associated with um, energy policy, but, you know, generally speaking, the average American is going to wake up on the day that Biden's president and have essentially the same day they did uh, when um, Pence Pence was was our next president. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> which she may be for the next 13 days. We'll which, see. which she may be. But, you know, not to get too deep, but I want to go back to a little bit to what you referenced. And once again, we've talked a lot about this social media kind of creating this division. And, and I'm a free market economist coming from the University of Chicago and I'm anti-regulation. But I think the problem with big tech is that people don't understand how big tech is using the data that you're putting into their products. Oh, exactly. And I, I, I think that's, that's a very large problem. I mean, there should be a switch or something on Google that says you cannot use my search engine um, data for anything. You know, you, you if I look up what happened in the French Revolution, I want to know what happened in the French Revolution. I would don't want to know, you know, a, a leftist perspective or a conservative perspective on it. And, you know, I, I do believe that needs to be regulated. The the privacy concerns and that I have with the way that big tech is using data that Basically, nobody understands. Probably 99.9% of the people that are using these tools have no idea how big tech is using things that you're posting every single day or searching every single day. And it's really important for people to understand that. It is. Uh, and we can point people to folks like uh, Jaron Lanier, who could talk about that uh, very intelligently. He was there at the dawn of AI. Um, and th there, there is a huge amount there, uh, um, but, but people's native developed over thousands of years of biology, our native tribalism, which, which evolved as a defense mechanism and a survival mechanism, right? And so and there's some degree of us versus them, uh, 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 definition, which is okay. Right. And when it becomes toxic, when it becomes actionable, right? Like, you're allowed to hate your neighbor on the basis of all sorts of arbitrary things. Right. As long as you don't go choose to lynch them, talking to you, Kurt Eichenwald, um, <laughs> you're allowed, you know, the, the, the movement, uh, on a positive side, we're going to keep it positive, right? Yes. On the positive side, the fact that so many people are preoccupied with kind of not giving offense. Arguably, we would say to the point of, 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 of absurdity, we're now on the floor of the Congress. You're not allowed to use the word mother, father, sister, or brother, right? right? Oh, and I, I jokingly tweeted to a congressman and said, big sibling will be there to see you soon. Um, <laughs> right, so so you, you, to, the upside to the, to, to the fact that we've gotten to the point of absurdity is that that's a highlight of a prosperous society. We're so right. prosperous right. that people can be, can take the time to get whipped into a rage about completely meaningless 
ephemeral nonsense. So that's the plus side to that. The negative side to that is they're getting whipped into a rage over completely meaningless ephemeral nonsense. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So, but if, if everyone would just... And I, I do, it in general, trust people, right? People have gotten better and, and better in terms of, you know, all the panic stuff about I don't let my kids under 12 have a smartphone and all this nonsense. Um, I see it in my own children. Like, they get naturally bored with something. Like, TikTok was funny for three months. Right, right, exactly. And frank, frankly, the government locked them in their homes and didn't let them go to school, so what else are they going to do? Um but aside from that, they get bored with things the way anyone else does. Is some tiny proportion always going to abuse technology, alcohol, cigarettes, heroin, or anything? Of course they are. But, like, that's just that's a statistical reality. It doesn't right. mean we ban it for everybody. Right. Um, and and I, I take your point, but I get very, very nervous because when you say things like, you know, I don't want my information used for X, who's the arbiter of that? Who gets to decide what... The algorithm is used for because we've covered this before. I arguably, right. right? I arguably don't care if out of my search history and browser history, Google tells me Orvis is having a sale on fly fishing equipment next week. Okay, right. That's great. Thank you. I'm glad. Right. I might not have noticed that. So, and for Orvis, right? They spend their advertising dollars more effectively That's to correct. get to old, boring white guys like me who like to stand in rivers in the middle of the winter, uh, yes. and not send it to people who would rather not do that. So, it's a tough line, and you know, especially it, it, it is, free it, markets it, and regulation. It is a tough line. It is a tough line. But I think that the point that I'm trying to make is I think there needs to be a higher level of disclosure, and. You know, I think that if you look through one of these privacy things on um, Apple, for example, it's it's like 150 pages. Oh, long. yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, I'm sure nobody's ever read it except for the attorneys that are charging Apple $2,000 an hour to rewrite it every week. But um, <laughs> exactly, th th that's my concern. That's my concern. I I'd like to know how my data is used and I want objectivity in the information I seek. And I guess, you know, I, I once again, if you take a free market system, I have the option of um, not using my computer. Right. You can get not, a VPN, you can clear your browser cache constantly, right, you can do exactly. all that sort of stuff. Exactly, yep. exactly. Same, but, same would arguably one would say with FICO scores, the rest of it, right? Someone came up with an, a way to judge credit worthiness and create an index. Those have become three major businesses. FICA themselves are so utterly incompetent that they released everyone's personal data to the Chinese and the Russians a few years ago, and there's been absolutely no consequence to them. So, so you face this headache of, in a, in a world of increasing complexity, where even people who care about the topic don't have the time or bandwidth to fully understand it. Um, we are somewhat still always left at the mercy of the goodwill of our fellow human beings, which circles us right back to where we are, right? I, I don't think many people, except for the sleazebags of Communist News Network, set out to destroy America every day when they wake up, uh, right? But they, 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 are, they are driven by a profit motor. They are driven by clickbait. They are driven by, um, uh, you know, Fox News was, was the first one to realize, why do we have these boring old white guys reading the news? Surely we can find attractive women for this. Right. Um, right so there's, there's that, that, that constant evolution of grabbing market share 
is combined with algorithms that are very sophisticated and are often written by people who later are horrified by what they created. Right, exactly. Drove, drove us to this place where some significant percentage of the country, does, a large percentage, doesn't trust anything they hear anymore. So that's not a right or left problem. Correct. Then you've got Donald Trump, who, you know, many people spend too much time talking about him. I don't particularly care about it. He's been in showbiz forever. He's been in real estate forever. He's always loved the microphone. He's never... Um, and in some ways, you know, what we saw yesterday was re- I, it was really really bizarre. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be play armchair psychologist psychiatrist like, but like I watched that and I thought, dude, mm-hmm. you have entirely lost the objective plot if you ever had it. Like the only thing for the president to say right now is, this is unacceptable. Go home. Don't right. break and enter. Right. Not. I feel your pain right. after giving this bizarre two-hour rally beforehand, ticking off the either real or imagined. The problem is, as he's citing all these things like, in nine counties, more votes were cast than voters were registered. All of that may well be true, but rational people are also asking, you had two months to prove that right. in a bunch of courts right. and all the money in the world to spend on doing so. And you got nowhere. So either the Democrats <laughs> stole this and did it really, really, really well, in which right. place, congratulations, and the GOP should learn from them next time. Right. Or you're creating fantasies out of nothing. And it, right. either way, that bizarre rallying speech he gave and then tweeting tweeting against his own vice president, I mean, the man's lost ah. it. He's he's absolutely lost it. And I was kind of thinking about this from a different perspective last night. And we've gone over our short time that we promised our listeners, but this is really fascinating. So I'm sure everybody's (laughs) entirely engaged. But it was on the edge of their seats, circling the circling the block again before they parked the Tesla. (laughs) It was probably the most expensive minute and a half that any human being has ever experienced in their entire life. That cost him. Probably a billion dollars at least. Do you think people want to give him a hundred and fifty million dollar book deal now? Do you think that NBC wants to re up right. the Apprentice now? Do you think people want to partner and have his name on a yeah. hotel and yeah. all of these various countries? Disgrace. He's absolutely devastated his brand in a ninety second Twitter clip. Yeah. His his presidency ends in utter disgrace. It really does. Which all but a very few diehard Trump fans, I mean, every Republican that I know, just whether they supported his policies or the administration in general, they they were like, dude, 25th Amendment. Oh, man. This is crazy. He just slipped into Andrew Jackson territory. But in all seriousness, I mean, it is important, right? This is why... Um, the the ideal of nobility certainly in Asia and and Europe for the where they had those sort of codes of noble contact, kings and barons charged first in battle, right? They didn't sit behind, they charged first, and our leaders don't go first anymore. Our leaders hide behind layers of protection and have made themselves immune from the consequences of their actions, whether Obamacare that they don't have to participate in or whether the consequences of, of, of angry people. And they got a little taste of it yesterday, and I'm not sure in the long term 
that maybe that's not the worst thing in the world for them to dwell on. Right. And once again, you know, that kind of brings me to my closing point is that this is the beauty of the United States, that this can happen and be resolved in a, in a semi-rational um, Manner. Imagine if this happened in, in China, you know, Tiananmen Square. Oof. Essentially, this did happen in China in nineteen eighty. Thousands dead, or in, in the Soviet Union, for example, or the dissidents in, in Hong Kong that are speaking against the Chinese government that are suddenly disappearing. Disappearing. Jack Ma disappearing. You know, yep. in, in a strange way. So, you know, I think we're blessed to be in this country and be able to express ourselves. And we can see the actual wheels of democracy working when people thought they were wobbling a little bit about 24 hours ago. The situation resolved itself. And that's the beauty of our country. And that's my closing statement. A far more optimistic and kind <laughs> closing statement, which is also good. Your turn. So... Until next time, everyone, feel free to turn off the news. They're all lying to you. And be sure to tune into Messy Times.